My peoples, my peoples, my peoples. Welcome to Right Away Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Martin. Thank you for listening and, and being a part of it once again. I hope these um, podcasts are doing something for you. I, I really do. That's always the goal. Um, but like I told, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast I did, that it's it's raw. Whenever it comes to me, that's when I do it. I just kind of, um, you know, if it's on my heart, I just hit the record button and go with it. So right now I'm I'm trying to write a novel. Novels have all, I've never written a novel. I've written everything, well, not everything else, but I've written quite a few other things, poetry, short stories, plays, um, children's stories, those kind of things. But novel, I always avoided it because novels are really hard work. Because like with a poem, you're, you're inspired, you write it down, you're done with it. With a novel, it's a lot longer piece, right? So you get inspired, but your inspiration doesn't happen in months and months, uh, um, segments like that. You know, so you have to be inspired and write when you're inspired, but you also have to write and write through when you're not inspired so you can get through with it. So that's why I've always avoided novels because they're hard work. But I promised myself I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this novel, and it's based pretty closely to my life based on, on my life, pretty close. I don't use names. Uh, some of the people are dead now, so uh, not to respect, because if they were jerks, they were jerks, but not to respect that part of it, but just I don't want legal stuff and people, oh, my God, you talk. So I'm not using names, but anybody that knows me or has been around me or has lived near me or lived with me um, will know, like, oh, I know what you're talking about there. So it's based on that. But what it got me to thinking about, because when you're writing – on your life, based, based on your life, the more you write, the more you think about it, the more things come up. And I was thinking how 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 um, normal, abnormal was for me as I was growing up. And by that I mean that my stepfather, I thought he was my father until I was 24, and then I found out he wasn't my father. Um, very abusive guy, both verbally and physically. Uh, but I thought he was my father. All, the whole time I was in his house, I thought he was my father. But And I looked up to him like he was a god. I really did. I looked he, As bad as he treated me, I looked up to him and wanted to be like him, talk like him, walk like him, look like him. Couldn't do those things because it just were out of my power, thank God. But at that time, I really wanted to do everything like him and be like him because he was, you know, as as a young boy, you look to your father. You really do. Or the male in your life to be, you know, what you want to be. You know, they're usually what you um, want to be or aspire to. So I was no different. I wanted to be like this guy. And so when I when I was thinking about abnormal, I was thinking this guy had a drinking problem. Now, if you talk to my brother and sister, they would probably tell you, no, he didn't. But he did. Um, he drank like a six-pack every single night for sure, probably more. But he did. And by me wanting to be like him on the weekends, I would spend, I would stay up until television went off. At that time, television went off at a certain time. So I would spend the weekends at night with my stepfather, with my father. And he would drink drink and smoke. But the abnormality came when my stepfather was the kindest when he was buzzed. When he was buzzed, he was a nice man. As odd as that sounds, 
and it's contrary to movies and the stories that you hear, but in my situation, in my life, I liked him much better when he was buzzed than when he wasn't buzzed. When he wasn't buzzed, he was a very mean, violent dude towards me. I can't speak for my brother and sister. Well, I can. He wasn't violent towards them. But towards me, he was, and very hurtful. And I could take, you know what, actually, I could take the physical stuff. And not that I was super tough, but I was tough. I wasn't super tough. But, see, the thing about physical violence is it it, it, it heals. Yeah, as, as crazy as that is to say, it heals. But the mental stuff, the mental abuse, the mental violence, violence lasts a lot longer. Sometimes it goes with you for your whole life, your entire life you're dealing with that. That's what, and I would much rather when I was growing up get a beating than have him say something. If he didn't say anything and beat me, I could run around the room, take my beating, whatever it was going to be, and I'd be okay. But once he started talking to me, it would just cut me down. I felt like he was cutting up my soul when he talked to me because he talked so so degradingly towards me. He wasn't just mad. He was furious with me with, with the smallest things. So my abnormality was I liked him being buzzed so he'd be nice to me. That's when he'd be nice to me and tell me he loved me. Um, and that's kind of abnormal. Anyway, so I'm thinking, I'm writing this novel, and I'm thinking about my life. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. That in that abnormality, that was my normality. That was normal for me. That I wanted to see him buzz. I wanted to, him to keep drinking those beers so he would be nice to me. Abnormality. One of the reasons, no, one of the single reasons that I don't drink. I don't like alcohol, first of all. But beyond that, because a lot of us start off not liking alcohol, and we make ourselves like it, and after a time we get used to it. Because I, I don't know if anybody could honestly say that the first beer that they tasted said, oh, wow, that's delicious. I don't think so. It could be. I could be wrong because I'm wrong a lot. But I don't think so. I think you have to acquire that taste, and then you force yourself to do it long enough, and then you begin to like it. That's what I believe. But anyway, so I didn't like the, the taste of alcohol. I didn't like the smell of alcohol. But for about a three-month window between the ages of 17 and 18, I started drinking. And what we would do, we had something called Crazy 8, Old English Malt Liquor. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Well, it would get you buzzed. And by nature, I am a shy person. By nature, I'm just a shy person. People that know me probably think, oh, no, he's not. But I am. I'm a very shy person um, by nature. But I noticed that when I was buzzed, and I like to dance, so when I was buzzed, we go to a party, I could be the life of the party because I don't have any inhibitions. You know, I'm not shy then because I'm buzzed. And it was kind of cool. As much as I hated the alcohol and didn't like the taste of the old English, the buzz would make me into a different person. I kind of liked it. I was like, wow. I never got into the drug thing, wasn't going to do that. But I just tried the alcohol. I was like, as much as I don't like it, I feel like a different person when I'm doing this. So what changed that for me was we went to a party one time, me and a few friends. We got some old English, um, got a guy outside the liquor store, older guy to buy us some old English. We got that, got buzzed, had a great time at the party. We were riding in. We had this car, my family had this car, we called it the Batmobile. It was a black station wagon, all beat up and tattered up, but it was my car. You know, it, it wasn't my car, but it was a car that my family would let me use once I got my license. All dinged up, but we called it the Batmobile. It got us around, went to parties in it. We just felt like we were on top of the world in this car, in the Batmobile. So 
We rode to this party. I drove. After the party was over, I dropped everybody off. And to this day, 40 years later, I don't remember dropping anybody off and don't know how I got home. So I wake up. Oh, let me go back to this. My stepfather's curfew was very strict. If he said be home at 12 o'clock midnight, if you came in at 12.01, you weren't going the next time. And you might get some, uh, a slap upside the head, too. But you definitely weren't going to the next party or movie or, or concert because you came in late. So he's very, very strict. So I go to this party. I get buzzed. I don't remember um, anything. I fall asleep in the car in front of the house. I wake up startled. It's bright outside. It's like 6 or 7 in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm thinking for sure he's going to beat the shit out of me when I go in this house. Not only am I late, but I'm like six hours late, not six minutes, six hours late. And I don't think I had ever been late because I was scared of getting getting um, uh, punished and not being able to go to the next party or dance or, or, or movie or, or concert. So I wake up startled. I don't know how I got there. The car is off, of course. Um, and I wake up and I go in the house, and my stepfather is still in the – we had a back patio enclosed patio um he's still in the um in the patio and he drinks like uh, at least a case of beer i mean uh, um six pack of beer every night smoking a cigarette he's still there and at that time like i said television would go off so if television probably had gone off and come back on he was still there so i walk in i try to tip in he's back there i make eye contact with him and i'm thinking oh boy i'm gonna get it now for sure i'm six hours late and he gives me this look i never will forget this he gives me this look that says, and this is the way I took it. I'm not sure what he meant by it. He didn't get upset. He just gave me this look, and he had this kind of smirk on his face. And what it said to me was, that's exactly what I expect from you. That's, ex that's, that's the expectations I have of you. What you are doing right now is what I expect from you. And when I, when I felt that, I knew that I would never be drunk again. I was expecting someone that cared about me to be upset with me. No, I didn't want to get beat around the room, but I wanted to be upset, concerned. He wasn't concerned. His look told me that this is what I expect from you. And I was about 17 or 18 at that time. So I was, you know, coming into my young man years. And when I got that look, it told me that this man didn't have high expectations for me. And so I said, I can, I can never do this again. And I've never done it again. I've never done it again. So I walk up the stairs. The stairs are moving all over the place because I'm dizzy. My head is spinning. My stomach is talking and then speaking in another language. I get to the bathroom. I throw up. And I tell myself at that time, I will never be drunk again. And I will have higher expectations for myself. I won't do anything from this day as best I can. I won't do anything from this day at 17 or 18 that if it that is unbeneficial, that is not beneficial for myself. If it is not benefiting me, either mentally or spiritually or physically, in a positive way, I'm going to leave it alone. So I have to thank my stepfather. I don't think he meant to do that. I think he meant to say, "This is what I expect from you." My son and daughter will do. My, your younger brother and sister will do much better, but you. This is what I expect from you. I fast forward now, like I said, I'm working on this novel, and I'm, I met a cousin, a first cousin that I didn't know growing up on my father's side because I didn't really know my father's side of 
as far as the history, um, heroin, cocaine, weed, alcohol, that seems to be prevalent in my on my father's side. My mother's side, I'm not sure. I mean, I knew them, but I don't know what the problems were. But on my father's side, that was what it was. So I have to thank my stepfather because, and I don't, I think, I don't think I ever would have done the, the drug thing because that drugs were just off limits for me. I, they just never, I never even entertained that thought. But the alcohol, I was forcing myself to like something that I don't, didn't even like, so I would feel buzzed, so I'd be, un, so I'd be more comfortable and be more of a social butterfly. So thank you, stepfather, for um, giving me that look that told me that I had to do more of my life than what you expect me to do in my life. And so writing this novel has brought all because the more you write about your life or think about your life, <coughs> excuse me, the more you pull out. You know, it's like it opens up a Pandora's box. You remember this, and then you remember that, then you remember this, then you remember what led to that, then you remember what led to this, then you remember to what led to over here, and you become. So this novel is really, is really opening up some stuff. I don't know how good of a novel it is going to be, but it's going to be a beautiful piece of medicine for me. It really is. It's going to be a beautiful piece of medicine for me. It's um. It's just opened up so much, but it brought up that story um, about my stepfather, and I admired him. I admired him. We would sit up. At this time, they used to play UCLA basketball rewind, the tapes, late at night. So we would sit up and watch, uh, and the the man at that time was Bill Walton. So when I was a little kid, Bill Walton was the the man at UCLA. So we would watch, and UCLA went undefeated for like 100 games or 200, I don't know, a bunch of games they went undefeated. So we would watch these old tapes. We'd already know they won, but we'd watch the games together. He'd be drinking his beer and smoking his cigarettes. I just wanted to be near him. I just wanted to be near him. But my abnormal mind said I wanted him to drink so he could be nice to me. Isn't that interesting that you want a parent to drink to get buzzed so they'll be nice to you? Because when they're not buzzed, they weren't nice to you. They're violent to you. They're mean to you. Um, so this this novel is, has opened up a whole bag of worms, but I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did. It's um, And I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. But like I t- said on other podcasts, I just kind of go off the cuff. Whatever I'm feeling, um, whatever comes to mind, I just speak on it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has gone through that. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had parents that didn't have high expectations from. So when I do these, I'm talking to that person that maybe can identify or maybe even going through this, not, and maybe not even a kid, might be an adult going through it with their spouse. I don't know. But I hope this helps somebody. It will certainly help me to get it off my chest because I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But I was normal in abnormality. Interesting. Thank you for listening in. I'm Jeffrey Martin. This is Right Away Podcast. I hope that you will continue to listen and and give me some comments, good or bad. Give me some comments. I hope you can you benefited from this. I hope this touched something in you because that's all that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. At this point in my life, that's what it's all about. Touching someone in a positive way. If it does not benefit you, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave her alone, leave him alone, leave them alone. If it does not benefit you in a special spiritual um, uh, way, 
a, a growing, uh, um, advantageous way, leave it alone. You don't need it. You were meant for great things. Mediocrity shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. Until next time, this is Jeffrey Martin, Right Away Podcast. Peace.